What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Get the KO. It's kind of different. I know you get it on a Sunday night or Sunday morning, but today we're doing a Monday morning. But I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, and as always, I've got Anthony Lujan, but you can call me Lou. Guys, so this weekend we had a huge event come out, uh, UFC 216, I guess on a grading system. Uh, maybe it was ads huge. Probably like a C, C plus. Maybe just because of the outcomes. How did you feel about it, Anthony? Um, with the uh, with the last couple of fights, uh, last three fights of that of that of that card, it, it bumped it up to a C plus. Before then, I wouldn't even call it a C, but the last three fights uh, on that card were, made it a C plus. Maybe maybe a B minus just because of of how some of the, the the last two matches especially ended up going, but. Yeah, overall, the card wasn't that impressive. Yeah, so, you know, here right now, so I said C, C plus, Andy said C plus, B minus. So we're going to probably give it about a C plus average rating is what we'll call it. So let's, let's uh, first things I want to do, though, man, Anthony, we do have to do this, though, man. We do have to kind of give our condolences out to uh, the families once again out in Vegas. Such a terrible tragedy that happened to them uh, this past week. So we want to put our thoughts and prayers out to you guys, you know, just from us here at Get the KO to you guys over in Vegas. Yeah, it was an unfortunate event that happened, and um, and it just affected a lot of people and a lot of people's families. It not only affected that, it affected something that we're going to talk about here, and that's just the UFC. Um, I do know, we do know that Dana White did uh, – Donate one million dollars of the proceeds to help the vic- the, fa- the victims of these families of of what happened. Um, so yeah, our hearts and condolences go out to you guys. Yeah, and so it's it's really big because it affects us as well, right? So we uh, we talk a lot about the UFC. The UFC is based in Vegas, as we know, Vegas is the fight capital of the world. And one of the bigger things that you know we did realize was that the UFC event was actually the first big event that happened right after uh, this mass shooting. So we obviously have we are in support of the UFC and making this move because you know as as a city as a state as a nation as a country as a country as a world uh, we we have to heal from this right so and the healing process has to begin and how do we begin that process is we just kind of keep you know it sounds bad to say like this we kind of cruise along right but one of the things that kind of was a bigger uh, effect right was uh, Jason Aldean was performing uh, Monday night in Vegas. And uh, you know he was a, he was a performer that that was uh, there when the shooting had happened. Um, he ran off the stage. We saw the videos of it. If you haven't seen it, you can go watch it. They're probably still on YouTube. Um, but he took off off stage, and uh, Dana had invited 1,500 people uh, to come uh, sit at the UFC event. Of course, we did talk about uh, the million dollars that he did donate from uh, UFC 216 to the to the families. Uh, but he invited Jason. He tried to invite Jason Aldean to come sing the the national anthem. Uh, Jason Aldean's management people kind of got in the way. Said no. He was he was still shook up from the event and that he didn't want to come perform live. But it wasn't even about a couple hours later that we saw Jason Aldean was in New York City and he was performing on Saturday Night Live. Dana was kind of upset with it. And he told he pretty much said to Jason Aldean to f you and never and stay out of Vegas. So it's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, Dana tried to reach out to multiple, multiple country artists, you know, to just come and, you know, sing the national anthem. 
everybody kind of turned it, everybody turned it down. Um, but uh, one person did come through, and that was Dana's longtime friend Everlast, who you guys may remember from Jump Around and House of Pain, or even when he came out with his song with um, with it Leave Your Light On with uh, Santana. Um, he's had a couple of hits himself, but no one really has heard of him for a long time. But he came and sang America Beautiful, and I thought he did a decent job with that. I'm not gonna say he did a great job because it is Everlast, and he does kind of have that unique tone. But uh, how did you feel, man? What did you think about this whole situation? Um, it's it's a crappy situation. I I, I feel for Jason Eldine because as as a performer, you do have. You do have a schedule, and and I'm not saying that Saturday Night Live supersedes USC, but may, and but we don't we, maybe we really don't know the other side of Jason Aldean. Maybe he had these plans to be on Saturday Night Live and to perform on there, and then the tragedy of of what happened. Um, I think it sucks. It definitely I I see where Dane is coming from because. Because you're the performer of the night when the shootings happened, and this was supposed to kind of help make it stronger at once, and you kind of denied it. I mean, I don't know. It's just a it's an, it's, it's a crazy situation that we uh, that we see that has unfolded in front of us the last few weeks. And you know, man, you're right though. It, it is it is a tough situation for Jason Aldean. Like, and I feel for him too, right? Like. I would be kind of nervous myself if I was to be asked to come back to Vegas and perform after what just happened. And not even like a week later, we're talking like, you know, five days later, like you're asking me to come back and perform. And it's a scary situation because even though you're indoors and you're in a T-Mobile arena, I get it, right? It's it's still scary because you're like, well, if it happened outdoors, what's it going to stop it from happening indoors too, right? And if it happens indoors, I don't know where I'm going to be or what I can do, where I can go, right? I'm kind of out in the open because I'm in a, in a cage that's that's pretty open, right? And, you know, it it is what it is. It, it's a huge thing. I do feel for Jason Aldean, you know. Then he went to Saturday Night Live, he performed. Uh, Dana came out and said that he cared more about his image than he did about the people. And I don't I don't know that to be true. I think, you know... When you when you get fear in you, you know, and and Anthony and I can, Anthony and I can both attest to this because we've both been overseas. But when you when you get fear in you, you either have a fight or flight system, right? And it's either you want to do it or you don't want to do it. And people react differently in different ways. And maybe this was kind of Jason's way of saying, "Hey, man, I'm not ready to come back yet, and I I I will, but it just won't be right now." Yeah, I agree with you. I really do. Um, like you said, it's a fight, a fight or flight. Um, definitely, just a just a situation that that that's unfortunate. It sucks, um, but we have to move on. He has to move on. Dana has to move on, and we got to figure out what's going, what what to do next. So speaking of moving on, we're going to go ahead and just do that situation too, right? So let's jump into the UFC 216. This was on Saturday night. This was uh, October 7th. It was a great event. As we said, we gave it a C+. Plus, um, but there were a couple of good fights in there that we would definitely have to consider for maybe fight of the year. So if you guys were paying attention to the GTKO Awards, um, we have a couple of fights in here that just went all out and it was just so much fun but then there was a couple fights in that were very boring and monotonous and we get that right so let's just kind of jump into it man we have uh 
let's talk about let's talk about the main card, Anthony. We'll talk about the five cards, five cards from the main card, and then we're gonna talk about two other fights. Uh, you can pick one, I'll pick one, and then if we don't pick the same one, the one that we're that if we don't pick the one or I don't pick the one, we'll talk about this other fight too that was on the uh, UFC uh, FX. So let's start us off, man. Benil versus um, Benil versus uh, Darish. Uh, hey man, we uh we had a great draw here, man. We had a lot of lot of punches thrown at each other, a lot of great takedowns, uh, or takedown t- defenses. Uh, let's talk a little bit more. Let's dive into it, man. Uh, this is one of these fights. These these are one of the the, the the only two fights I didn't get to watch on the main card because of the Hutcher game going on. Um, it does look like um. Does look like Evan Denham did take him down one out of seven. It doesn't look like Benil, uh, Benil would uh didn't even try to get takedown. Significant strikes, uh, eighty-one to thirty-six in favor of uh, Benil, and total strikes, ninety-two of sixty-six in favor of Benil. <clears throat> I'm not really sure how the judges got a uh, got a uh, draw out of that. Um, it does look like it was pretty one-sided. Uh, lots more, lot more thrown, lot more landed. Uh, in, fa- in favor of Benio, uh, Evan Dunham did get that one takedown, but I don't know how they, uh, they how they scored this one. Yeah, it's definitely weird. That's why you're gonna really leave the, you'll leave fights in the hands of the judges, man, because you never know what the judges are gonna do. You never know what they're gonna push for. You're not even gonna know like what's gonna happen, right? But the funny thing is, if you look at the control, uh, you know, like, you're talking about three minutes apiece. And the controls, but you definitely have a huge significance in total strikes and then that one takedown, which I think that one takedown actually came in the third round. No, I'm sorry. It came in the first, second round. That one takedown came in the second round, so you might have definitely pushed to get him uh, the takedown. You know, you could have said uh, Durish probably won. He won the first round. Evans takes the second round. And then the third round, it's kind of dead split even, so you can't really make an assumption about who, who did what. And it looks like that's my might have been how the judges broke it down, so you probably got that draw overall. Um definitely looks like a lot of fights, so we're definitely hoping to see good things. Maybe we'll see a rematch between these two in the future, probably on an FX card or uh, you know, on the Fox Fight Pass. Definitely could be something that uh we'll be excited about. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's move on. Let's move to the to the next fight that was Mara Romero Barella versus Kalindra Ferreria. And uh, it looks like uh, Marara got that submission with 2.07 left in the first round. Um, looks like she didn't even get touched at all. Looks like she, uh, yeah, she didn't get touched at all. It looks like uh, 16 out of 18 for total strikes for 88%, 3 of 5 for significant strikes for 60%, 1 of 1 for takedowns. And uh, Kalindra... Looks like uh, 0 for 4 for total strikes and significant strikes, and 0 for, needing to get a takedown attempt and one submission into the fight. Uh, what do you think about this one, Cliff? So it was interesting to watch Barella fight, right? Because she was definitely moving in and out of pocket really well, and then she looked like she was ready just to kind of take the fight to uh, Faria anytime. And it just looked like Kalinda was nervous being under the big lights. You know what I mean? Like she was there but she just wasn't ready to handle the UFC pressure with a lot of people being there cheering her on. I don't think she was ready for that. Uh, Barella looked like she had just been there before, even though we know like she's still kind of relatively new to the fight game. So it was definitely huge, man. I was definitely impressed with the way Barella was able to handle herself in a, in a bright light. And 
you know, she did what she did. She came out there, she took down, she got the submission, um, ended it with a rear naked choke, and uh, it was quick, man. It was very quick. Yeah, that looks like that. Um, kind of, and, and I think that's one of the, that, that's kind of what you said was she couldn't handle the big lights. Kind of reminds me of like state wrestling championships uh, for high school state wrestling. Um, we have a buddy named Garrett who lost his junior year. He woke up at the screen, saw himself on a big screen, kind of froze up. He goes out the next uh, the next year, and uh, he doesn't even look at the big screen. He, he's focused. He's ready to get into it. And his opponent looks up the screen, kind of freezes up. Garrett wins the championship his senior year. So uh, definitely understand the uh, looking up and seeing yourself on the big screen, seeing the bright lights, the, the pressure of the UFC. Hopefully her next fight she can come out and uh, actually get a W and make it or at least put an impact on the fight. Yeah, it's definitely, man. I mean, and there's a definite level of competition that changes, whether you're fighting out of Bellator, Titan FC, VFC, uh, or even if you're in the U.K. with uh, – yeah, the UK UK uh, MMA, or even if you're doing Brazilian MMA, uh, there's just a huge difference when you come to the UFC because there's an expectation level that you're supposed to reach, and if you're not ready for that moment, man, you can definitely you can definitely get caught with that, get caught with a huge L, and uh, that's kind of what happened with Faria, man. So we're gonna move on, man. We're gonna talk about this Fabricio Wardoom versus Walt Harris. This originally was supposed to be uh, Wardoom versus uh, Derek Lewis, but because Derek Lewis had a back injury. He thought he could push through, push through, push through. Went to the went to the final uh, day. Woke up, back just was not letting him do his thing, and that was kind of all she wrote for uh, Derek Lewis that night. So in turn, Dana asked Walt Harris if he wanted to jump up. Walt said yes. So he decided to fight for Bruce Wardoom, and for all intents and purposes, he got destroyed. Um, there wasn't any real punches taken in this one. There was just one take. Uh, Fabricio threw out one strike, uh, took Walt Harris to the ground, and uh, went for a triangle choke, uh, missed out on the triangle choke, ended up locking up the arm bar, and calling it a night. And the fight was pretty quick. I mean, it was, uh, what was it, a uh, minute five, and it, it just happened so quick that uh, Walt Harris just didn't understand. Something I found interesting was that Joe Rogan said, uh, when you look at this fight, right, so there's there's a mountain in the UFC. So there's a mountain just to get to the UFC, and then there's another mountain in the UFC. And the difference you saw from Walt Harris was that Walt Harris was on the base. He was at the, he was at the base while uh, Fabrizio was all the way at the peak. And there's such a huge level change inside of those those fights that Walt Harris was not ready for Wardoom. I really kind of picked uh, Harris at the last minute to win by knockout only because Wardoom hadn't been training to fight someone like this, but Wardoom is a professional. He is a former champ. He definitely was ready for this fight, and he showed why he was ready for this. And I agree. I uh, um, that Fabrizio is probably a top three UFC heavyweight, and you got Walt Harris, who it looks like it is. He's, uh, he's had some fights under him for the UFC. Um Five losses and three wins, so eight total fights in the UFC. And he really hasn't fought nobody that you could say, oh, wow, um, Cyril, Asker, Chase, Schumann, and Samil um, are, are his latest victims or latest fights before he, he lost at Fabricio. And then you got Fabricio, who's been fighting uh, everybody. He was a, He's an ex-champion. Fabricio, he's been fighting Alistair Overeem, Travis Brown, 
Stipe Miotic and Cain Velasquez and Mark Hunt. Um, just a big difference in those two. And uh, Walt Harris is a striker. He's not very good on the ground. And Fabrizio shows that he is game is he his game is all around, and he just took him down and submitted him really fast. Yeah, so let's not take anything away from Walt. Walt is a gold glove um, winner. He's a gold glove uh, boxing champion from Alabama and Florida. So let's not take anything away from him. He's definitely a great striker, as as Anthony alluded to. But the problem is, is he doesn't have much of a, a bottom game, and it showed. It showed really bad. And you kind of have to feel for the kid because, you know, he probably came out here, he was expected to get into a, get into a matchup, uh, and then that fight, got, that fight got pulled and he got asked to step up in his competition. He said yes, and now he knows what the top of that mountain looks like. So now he's going to be able to train harder and work harder, and hopefully we'll see him kind of show up and show out in a future fight. We're going to jump over, man. We're going to talk about this Demetrius Johnson-Ray Borg fight, right? So anybody who was anybody knew that Demetrius Johnson was going to win this fight, uh, you, could have, you could have made the argument that Ray Borg had a puncher's chance. I would agree with you that he has a puncher's chance, as always. But in this fight, you are fighting a person who trains all the time for five-round fights. And Ray Borg was just not ready for that kind of pressure to come at him and to be able to handle what Demetrius Johnson was come, uh, throwing. So, spoiler alert, if you guys did not know, Demetrius Johnson did win this fight. It was pretty handily, um, and it was pretty one-sided. Yeah, um, it was uh, – <clears throat> Demetrius, I think – I feel like Demetrius could have ended that fight anytime he really wanted to, and it just felt like he was kind of toying with Ray a little bit, but Ray wasn't backing them the – he would he'd get in his face. He'd uh, shoot for takedowns. Um, one one thing that really demoralized me as a Ray Borg fan and kind of really has got to demoralize uh, Ray Borg is <clears throat> Ray Borg got his back and was looking to uh, get the rear naked choke. And Demetrius just stood up and he had him on his back and he just like bucked him off and, it, and, it, and then turned into him and laid on the ground. And it was, I mean, as a UFC fighter fighting at this level, for for somebody just to buck you off like that, it's got to be demoralizing. It has to be demoralizing, man. Like, you know, you worked all this way to get into this position, and then all of a sudden just the other guy was just like, you know what, nah, man, I'm, I'm done with this position. And uh, it, it definitely, and we go back to what we were talking about, what we're doing versus Harris, right, where – you're talking about a mountain, and even though Borg is at the bottom of that mountain, he's more kind of in that mid-tier of the mountain, the peak of that mountain is clearly way too high for Borg to reach, right? So it's it's tough to say because you're like, well, Borg was the number three or five ranked fighter in that weight class, and Demetrius Johnson just made him look like he was a lower-level guy. And, like, you're right, Anthony. Uh, 100%, I agree with you that I think Demetrius Johnson knew he could finish this fight at any time, but he was just looking for maybe the right way to finish this fight. I don't know if he was just thinking to himself, like, oh, I'm going to end this fight anytime I want. Because when you look at the strikes, right, 172 to 212, uh, significant strikes of 64 of 81, and he, had, he was 8 for 8 on his takedown. So Demetrius Johnson clearly was going to be the guy that was winning this fight. And uh, Ray Borg on the other side, total strikes, 22 of 39, uh, strikes, significant strikes of 13 of 29, and then he did three take three of ten for his takedowns and no no submission attempts. And the the demoralizing part was not only did Demetrius Johnson 
almost triple, quadruple the shots that you he land he quadruples the shots uh, landed to the the you know to punches you were throwing to strikes you were throwing, and that makes it that must that's got to be demoralizing in your mind that you know here's a guy who's outlanding you at a much higher pace than what you're able to throw back, and you're and maybe Ray Borg was kind of afraid to be in the pocket with uh, Demetrius Johnson, but guys who have fought with Demetrius Johnson have been outstruck. But it's very rare to see Demetrius Johnson knock a guy out. And what we ended up seeing was Demetrius Johnson and Anthony, you can attest to this, this was one of the greatest takedowns into a submission. And that's what happened. I mean, he came in, he went for a takedown, swept, pulled the arm bar, and then just locked it up. And then Ray Borg could do nothing but tap. And it was a beautiful move, beautiful transition. But it was just, it was wild to see that Ray Borg was kind of afraid to kind of be in the pocket. Yeah, uh, that 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 armbar that he got on them, he kind of like just pushed him up in the air a little bit, and as he was coming down, he kind of did a little hop and got the arm part in there, and then <clears throat> towards the end of it, as he was landing, sunk in the legs and over the head and body, and it was all she wrote. Yeah, it really was all she wrote, man. It was definitely a. It was definitely a good a good fight for Demetrius Johnson. He did win performance of the night, like I said. 172 total strikes to 172 total landed strikes to the 39 thrown by Ray Borg. So it's definitely one-sided like crazy. So let's move on to this next fight. Right, uh, this was the this was the interim the interim lightweight championship fight. Uh, this was uh, Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. Uh, how would you have described this fight, Anthony? Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to tip my hat off first off and say, good job, Kevin Lee. We didn't think you stood a uh, <clears throat> a chance against him, but you kind of did show that you could you could brawl with the big boys. Um, you took him down three times. You outstruck him. You outthrew against him. Um, that first round, you had him mounted. You mounted him. Um, definitely was a crazy fight. Tony being Tony, you know, got the job done. But definitely, my hat's go off with Kevin Lee. I mean, uh, I did not think that he was gonna, he stood a chance. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put it the way that uh, Tony Ferguson said. I didn't think I thought he had a better chance of running through hell with his underwear set on fire or uh, soaked in gasoline than stand up to a, a guy like him. And Kevin Lee showed that he is someone that's probably going to be a serious contender here within the next year or so. No, and you're definitely right. If you look at the fight stats alone, you would have thought Kevin Lee won this fight. Like, if it had gone to the decision, I think Kevin Lee might have won this fight. But the one thing that did kind of stand out to me was that in the third round, Kevin Lee looked a little gassed, like he was still, like he was struggling to get in. And that's where Tony Ferguson, just uh, the wave of Tony Ferguson was coming through and was kind of pushing him over, pushing him over, pushing him over, and finally broke him. It was because if you look at the control factor, and these are all stats we find on UFC.com, by the way, guys. Uh, if you look at the control factor, Kevin Lee, four minutes and 51 seconds to the one second that Tony Ferguson had. Uh, total strikes in favor of Kevin Lee. Significant strikes in favor of Lee. You know, uh, takedowns in favor of Lee. The submission attempts in favor of Ferguson. And even though the percentages might be a little or were similarly close, 
uh, it was Kevin Lee was definitely putting the pressure on Ferguson. El Kukui had to had to retaliate, re- recalculate his game plan, and then reassess and reattack. And that's essentially in the third round. That's what we saw. We saw the we saw him kind of take a step back, start landing a little bit more. Kevin Lee wasn't really punching as much. Uh, he did score the two takedowns, but then Ferguson, you know, he came out, caught the caught the submission, and got the win. And you know, it was interesting to hear uh, Kevin Lee. You know, he he was you know obviously disappointed with the loss, but he uh you know there's there's a lot of good things to be excited about. Anthony's right, you know he he stood toe to toe. He went he went to uh, you know he went to hell and back with uh, with Ferguson, and even though he didn't come out with a win, he did come out with a lot more people respecting him. And I I'm one of those guys that I thought you know Ferguson was just going to get rolled in this fight, but he did show up and he did show out. Like I thought he like you know like a lot of other people did think. Uh, so, you know, hats off to to Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson. On the other hand, made a couple controversy comments. How did you feel about those comments, Anthony? You know, I uh, I don't think I don't think they're really that controversy. I think they're right. I mean, uh, I mean, <clears throat> Connor Connor went out into the boxing world and made 150 million dollars, and it's time to defend that title or vacate it. You have you you you're, you're gonna let. Nate Diaz have his tri- a, tr- a trilogy with or, or kind of with the trilogy with Nate, and you're gonna you're gonna hone a ch- the world title. You're, so you're gonna you're gonna have the interim title and the 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 real title. I'll call it whatever you want to call it um, for a good uh, probably another good year um, because you're you're because you're gonna wait on Conor McGregor. Uh, <clears throat> I think I think that Dana needs to set. The Conor McGregor Tony Ferguson fight up immediately, make unify this belt and get it going. Um, Tony kind of showed that uh, Tony showed that he's ready to, to to fight Conor. He was he was scheduled to fight Khabib, who's probably known to be the, probably the best fighter in the in that lightweight division. Um, but Khabib can go, um, so Tony had to wait to see who's next. And what, like Tony said. In that a few shows before the fight, um, that he's him and Kevin Lee had different different tra- uh, track records. Kevin Lee's been fighting people that are in the ten ten to fifteen spot or eleven to to fifteen spot in the the lightweight rankings, where he's been fighting everybody from the ten spot and up, and making fighters go up to other weight classes and retiring people. Um, and I th- I just think that. Uh, that Dana, yes, I would love to see Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor three, but I would, I really ultimately want to see this title get unified, and I think that should be Dana's number one uh, priority. So yeah, I'm going to go on the opposite side of you. It was something that uh, Daniel Cormier said on the UFC 216, which I felt very interesting, and I thought it was really good, was that you have Tony Ferguson fight Kahib for the inter uh, for the Intercontinental. This isn't wrestling. The interim lightweight uh, championship. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have Conor McGregor fight Nate Diaz, finish the trilogy, but you raise the stakes because you have a belt on the line as well. And I think that works out, right? And then after that, you have both fighters uh, crash, crash either for like a, uh, a May time frame, even a July time frame next year, where we're looking at International Fight Week for the unified title of the lightweight belt between Conor and uh, and either Tony or Nate versus Kahib or Kahib versus Connor, whatever the whatever the outcome be of those two fights, I think that's what you ultimately end up doing. You say, hey, we're gonna let you guys 
you know, take it in and square it off. But we want you guys to defend your belts against these guys first, and then the winner of those two fights are going to go and fight for, to unify the belts. I think that's ultimately, like, a great idea, and I'd love to see that happen because even though Turner Ferguson is, is a great fighter, like you said, he's fought guys all the way from 10 up. He can fight he for the belt. The belt is still, still on the line. And then Conor McGregor comes back. He trains to fight Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz and him square off. And then we ultimately get to see who's going to be the real champion after that, whether Conor can re- sustain the reign or does Nate Diaz come through and take that belt? Or do you have Tony Ferguson versus Khabib? Does Tony continue winning or does he get KO'd by Khabib and then do those guys go and fight on? So I think I kind of like that idea of having those two belts kind of get defended and then and then join together later down the road, like, you know, summer of 2018. So, and, and so I'm, I'm going to rebuttal that. And, and this is why I'm going to rebuttal it. You're getting, you're getting Conor McGregor, who just came off of the uh, boxing match with Floyd. Nate Diaz, who hasn't fought since, what, November of 2015 or 2016, when he and Conor did the second time. And then you got Tony, who's been trying to be active, who was ready to fight Khabib, who, who, who Khabib didn't make weight and had a ritual because he had to go to the hospital. Um, and you're the one that, 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 that when we ever talk, when we talk outside of this uh, podcast, um, that th- th- there should be major rep- uh, reprimands for fighters who miss the cut, who lead up to the fight and, and, uh, and don't get to fight then that night because they missed the cut or they had to pull out. Uh, due to due to due to injury, due to um, due to due, due, due to health issues, um, and so with, when when you told me that, and I and I, I I agreed with you, I think Khabib has some proving to do, and I think he has to go back down and fight people before he gets an, any kind, even an interim title fight. I don't think that he deserves it right now. So then. I think, and I and I, I hear your point, right? And I do, and I have said that that fighters who do miss weight, who miss weight, not who get injured, right? Aside from the rare circumstance like Amanda Nunes who pulls out the day of a fight because she's quote unquote sick. Um, aside from that fight, right? If a fighter gets injured before the fight week, and like Derek Lewis, I don't know if there's a repercussion for Derek Lewis because. You came in with a back issue. You kind of said you've had a back issue. It is what it is. But if you miss weight, right, yeah, you're definitely right. I, I, I say it all the time, like, there should be some serious repercussions. And Khabib missed his weight against Tony Ferguson. But we didn't expect – if Tony Ferguson didn't win the belt, we would still be talking about, well, Tony Ferguson should fight Khabib, and Khabib could fight Kevin Lee for the belt. And then they can, you know, you can go for unifications after that. I think right now with Tony Ferguson being the, intercon, uh, the, the interim champion and him having the belt, I think he definitely still gets that opportunity to fight, and he fights for that title. Uh, if he wins, he wins. If he loses, he loses. I mean, it is what it is. But I just think you and you and you kind of have a point that maybe he should uh, be told like, hey, you you know you have to fight you might have to fight Kevin Lee before you get to fight Tony Ferguson and that could be something too I mean that could be Dana White coming back and saying that so it'll be interesting to see what goes on for the rest of the year and if that's the case where Kevin Lee is told hey you can fight uh, Kahib and if you beat Kahib you can fight Connor for the title or something to that effect you know um, or you fight the winner of Ferguson versus Connor just depending on where you're at. 
So it it could be interesting. We could definitely see a lot of things playing out. So we'll have to kind of keep our ears to the ground and just kind of see what what's the thought process between before everything. So and and, and I'm still gonna disagree with you. I I don't think Khabib should get even get an interim title shot. I think you make him fight somebody like Edson Barboza or. Uh, or or even Kevin Lee, like you said, um, before he even gets to Tony Ferguson. And Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz is number six on the list. The only reason that he's even relevant besides he's Nate Diaz and what he does um, is because of the trilogy. If, 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 if it wasn't for this trilogy, you, we would probably never see Kevin or Nate Diaz back in the UFC. Um, I follow his I follow his um, his Snapchat stories, his, his Twitter, and He's not really training. You you could tell that he's just out there just doing his thing, but he's not really training. And and so it's gonna be interesting to see if we even get to see the Nate Diaz Conor McGregor trilogy. Um, but I I, I just I, I fully 100% against uh, Khabib getting any kind of title shot until he proves that he can make the weight, and he'd have and he he'd have to earn that title shot. So he's got to fight somebody like Edson Barboza or or, or Eddie Alvarez or um, or Justin Gacy. No, I definitely think. Uh, well, we know Ed, we know that Alvarez versus Gacy is definitely probably going to be a matchup we're going to see here soon. I think you're right. I think maybe you know with Kahib, you could definitely say Kahib, you're going to fight Kevin Lee because he just came off a loss. And really, when you think about it, when you when you don't make weight, you kind of already lost that fight because you lost the opportunity to fight. So maybe that's something that the UFC comes back and says, hey, you know, you technically lost this fight because you didn't get the chance to fight. So you're gonna be fighting. You're gonna be fighting this. You're gonna fight Kevin Lee, and you're gonna to have to earn your spot back. Yeah, I agree with you. I 100% agree with that on that. All right, man. So let's move on to these other fights that are that are happening around the around the UFC, right? So one of those fights uh, next is the next week, the week after. We're gonna be looking at uh, Donald Cerrone versus Darren Till. Man, this is gonna be a huge. This could have a fun fight. I think I think Donald just likes being a headliner fight every once in a while. Uh, but this is definitely taking place out of Poland. And the last time these guys fought out there, um, out of Poland, we did get to see um, Krokot versus uh, Gozaga 2. That was back in like August of 2015. So it's been a while since they've been back in Poland. Uh, but, you know, Donald Cerrone is definitely a big name in this fight. So we're definitely going to have to pay attention a little bit. And I know he's one of your favorite fighters. Yeah, uh, he is one of my favorite fighters. He's fighting a guy that, that's, quote-unquote, never been beaten. He has one draw to him, and so that's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with this fight. I, I, I do love that Donald's ready to get back to the cage and try to get back on that winning streak. You know, it was interesting because Donald, I remember when he fought at 170, he was talking about dropping down to 155 and wanting to fight Connor for the title. Um, but... You know, it, it the way things work out is the way things work out, man. And it looks like he's kind of headlining his own fight. Um, but Darren Till, you're right, man, coming out of England, definitely uh, they say he's been undefeated. Like you did mention, there is one draw on his record. Uh, but in the UFC, man, he's, you know, he's 3-0-1. So he's definitely going to have a, a tough challenge, especially catching up with um catching up with Donald Cerrone, but the interesting thing was that when they fought at Stockholm uh, back in 2017, uh, or May May 28th, uh, he missed weight. So, you know, um, 
Till definitely has has to respond because you know he he did miss weight. They fought at 176 for the catch weight, um, and then he turned around made weight at, in the Netherlands during the Vulcan uh, Strew fight. I definitely think that uh, Donald Cerrone is definitely going to be a guy who's going to pressure this fight. He's probably going to win this fight. Um, but Donald Cerrone has been a guy who's shown us that, you know, every once in a while he lets his guard down, gets caught, and then, like, you know, ends his night. So it'll be, it'll be tough, but I think, I think the Cowboys should definitely come out on top on this fight, and uh, hopefully we'll see that happen. Yeah, definitely. This fight uh, has a couple good fights on there. But what, one thing that I'm really surprised that UFC didn't do, and I understand that UFC 217 is super huge, going to be in New York City, but uh, <clears throat> you have the women's champion, uh, Joanna. She's from Poland, and you're in Poland, and she's not even headlining her own fight. That's, so that, that, that's crazy to me that she's not even headlining that fight um, or even fighting on that card. But you do have people like Carolina uh, Kelowitz. <laughs> She's going to be fighting that day. Um, you also have Marcin Held, who who was a good fighter in the Bellator, but he's 0-3 in the UFC. So I'd like to see that guy get in, get on the winning streak, too. Yeah, and so, you know, you did mention a couple of names already, you know, Karolina uh, Kolobic and then uh, Han, Han Blachowicz actually is also from Poland as well. He's fighting on the fight card. And even though you don't have, like, the biggest names on this fight card, let's, you know, like a, a Johan, uh, Carolina, uh, Carolina is from is also uh, a Poland native, and then you know you have Hans. So you have a couple guys in there who aren't from there. Uh, they're not probably the best records per se for this event, uh, only because you know uh, Han is coming off of a uh, you know he's four and five in his last or uh, he's lost four of his last five in the in the UFC. So you know you might have maybe want to pick somebody who could represent the sport a little better. Uh, especially in Poland, especially the product for the UFC. So I can understand like getting the hometown heroes involved, but it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what uh what happens towards you know this event. Like it's it's probably a snooze fest. We'll probably see Geronimo Cerrone and Carolina uh, being the two biggest draws in this fight, and that's pretty much about it, man. So with that being said, though, we're gonna jump into the. What were you say? I was, like, I was just going to say that uh, even though we're kind of downsizing this card, um, these are the cards that you do want to pay attention to because these are the ones that uh, that you're probably going to have some knockouts and some good hits and missions. Usually the fight the fight pass cards, the under the undercards, and the prelims are are usually the fight the fights that uh, you get to uh, you get most uh, most exciting knockouts. They're, they're, the, they're the ones that are trying to show the UFC what they got. Um, so definitely, if you do get a chance to watch this, definitely, I would definitely say go ahead and watch it. Yeah, I know. You make a great point that that does happen a lot, that these are the fight cards where you're looking at people who who are on the up and up, and they, they show up, and they do great jobs. Like, it's, it's you're right, man. It's really tough because we've seen some great knockouts from these fight cards and things that we've never um, flying knees, huge submissions. Like, so we'll definitely have to keep paying attention to this fight because it's definitely going to be huge. So with that being said, though, October 28th, we are in Sao, uh, Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil. This is going to be the return of the Dragon. Uh, Leota Machida is going to be fighting Derek Brunson on this fight card. This is on the 28th. It's definitely uh, it's not a stacked card per se, but you definitely have a lot of good fighters mixed into the card as well. 
whether you're Nico Price, uh, Tiago Santos, Jim Miller, uh, Kobe Covington, find Damian Maya, you have Leon Machida, find Derek Brunson. So a lot of big names kind of mixed in there. And I feel like the UFC always does this with Brazil cards because they understand that Brazilian Brazilian fighters and Brazilian fan, uh, fight fans love, 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 and they will come out and support all day and night uh, their fighters. And I think that's why you put these big-name fighters on these cards. Yeah, and I agree with you. I'm, look, I'm just looking down the... Uh looking down the uh, the fight card, and it looks like every fight is a Brazil versus USA matchup minus uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Jack Marshman, Jack Marshman's from the U.K., and then you have um, John Lineker versus Marlon Vera, uh, Marlon Vera from Ecuador, and you have Takio Santos versus Jack Hermansman, Hermanson, and he, Jack Hermanson is from uh, Sweden. The rest of these fight cards is all Brazil versus USA. And like you said, you do have some big names on here. I'm, like, I'm, super, I'm actually super excited to see Damian Maia get back in there. Damian Maia kind of ran through the uh, the 170 uh, uh, fight rankings until he met up with uh, Tyron Ridley, and then he just looked scared and. He was 0 for 21 on takedowns, and if you, anybody knows about Damian Maya, he's a great takedown some, uh, artist. Um, and you got Kobe Covington, who uh, who's 12 and 1, and his only loss in the USC was in 2015 to Warley Alves. Um, so that's going to be a very good matchup. I'm excited to see that one. Um, and you, I am, of course, you got uh, the the Dragon Leoto. He's going to be fighting. Um, Derek Brunson, who, who Derek Brunson's, uh, he's, he, he stopped his last, he's, he stopped his losing streak in June this year when he beat Daniel Kelly, but before that he lost to Robbie Whitaker and Anderson Silva. So that's going to be a very interesting fight to see. Um, both these are decent strikers. And if you just keep going down, you got Jim Miller, Jim Miller, who against, uh, Francisco Trinaldo, that's going to be a good one. Um, I'm excited to see John Lineker uh, back in the cage. He uh, he mm-hmm. hasn't fought since he lost to TV Dillashaw in uh, in December at the end of the year last year. So I'm excited to see him get back into the cage. And uh, so we'll see if he can get back on the wing side. You're right, man. So there's a lot of great fights that are going to be on here, and this really does break down kind of like the Brazil versus uh, USA. Uh, well, let's go Brazil versus the world kind of fight card. It's kind of funny. Uh, we, you know, it's crazy, man. Is we always end up talking about uh, Colby Covington in some form or fashion. Uh, we are really big supporters of him. He's he's really starting to come along. It's really cool to watch. Uh, you know, with the victory of Mike Plyde, and he lost to Alvarez, but then he's knocked out uh, Johnson Muniner, uh, Max Griffin, Brian Barberna, and then uh, Dong Hyun Kim. So he's definitely um, one of those guys, man. You just got to keep watching for because Colby is a huge, huge. Uh, name that's going to start uh, coming up, and he's probably going to be that household name, especially if he can get by um, Damian Maya. If he gets by Damian Maya, we're talking about him getting put into that title picture, that title matchup. So he's he's a lot of fun to watch, man. And you're right, uh, Tiago Santos being in the fight card. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, Anthony, but Tiago Santos, uh, Brazilian uh, Brazilian Army paratrooper who's been training in Cop Water for eight, eight years. And he actually had that one great photo uh, knockout of a uh, Jack Marshman 
uh, that spinning heel kick that ended up leading into like a bunch of punches that finished the night. Uh, that was on the fight night, uh, Lewis versus Brown card back in February. Um, God, man, there's so many great uh, knockout artists that could be on this fight card. Leo Machida, definitely the dragon. Big puzzle. No one really knows how to really fight him. He definitely, um, it's good to see that he's going to be back in the octagon as well. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the dragon, especially after his uh, big finish of uh, not to make fun, but, uh, you know, uh, Rashad Evans, when uh, he buckled his knee out. Um, it was crazy because since that time, though, Machida, man, he has not been looking good, but he's fought people like Yoel Rockwell, uh, Yoel, uh, Yoel Romero, Luke Rockwell, Chris Weedman, you know, and uh, Phil Davis. He's had losses to all those guys, but he has beaten uh, Mark Munoz, uh, Gagard Masasi, and then C.B. Dalloway. So we'll see if Machida can get back on a winning streak and get past uh, Jack Brunson. Yeah, I mean, there's been some good fights here that are, that are going to happen in this one. This one's going to be one of the the few that we actually might get excited for um, because we got we're leading up into 217 here coming up in November. So this is going to be one of these cards that you definitely uh, we're going to have to keep our eyes on because there's going to be that Damon Maya versus Kobe Covington. Like you said, if this Kobe wins this match, this this fight, he's probably going to get a fight like uh, like um, Wonder Boy Stevens and to see if he can. Get a chance to go against uh, uh get a chance to go against uh Tyrone Woodley. Um definitely and you got Jim Miller who uh who has uh fight of the night six times, mission of the night three times. He's he's coming he's he's he lost the last two to Dustin Poirier and uh Anthony Pettis, but before that he was on a, a three fight win streak against Sago Alves and Joe Lawson. So it'll be definitely interesting to see what happens with uh with um Jim, Jim Miller when he when with this fight. I think that he does need to get this win. I think he does have to beat Francisco Trinaldo and to start moving back up to the ranks and eventually try to get that title fight that we thought he was gonna get. Um for, and Francisco Trinaldo is definitely not no slum slouch either. He he's he was on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fight winning streak, including uh Ross Pearson, Paul Feldler, uh Chad uh before he lost to Kevin Lee in March of earlier this year. So that'd be one of the fights that I'm gonna keep my eye on if we get the chance to watch this one. Yeah, no doubt, man. And um like you said, man, there's great fights going in and out of this whole event. Uh you know, Brazil always puts on, we always put on, I should say we, the UFC always puts on a great show for uh, Brazilian fans. And and there's a lot of big names on this card, man, that, and a lot of future names that we can see on this card. And speaking of future things that are going down, man, we have got to talk about a little bit, talk about it. We're not going to dive too much into, but we've been excited about this event coming from the beginning, ever since it was discussed, UFC 217. Uh, we have to kind of dive into this, man, and just not really talk about – we're not going to talk about the big fights. We're only going to talk about one one or two major fights that we're looking forward to. Anthony, as far as UFC 217 goes, what's the fight car, fight that you're looking forward to watching other than the big being uh, GSP fight? Uh, definitely Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. That one's going to be an epic. I, you cannot put me on a spot like this, Cliff. And make me pick a fight because you got that one. You got Jeremy Heathen Stevens versus George Mazdavall. You got Yolanda versus Thug Rose. 
this is if, if you have, if I have to go down and find a site that that doesn't involve a title, and I know which one you're going to say, so I'm not going to say it. But I'm going to have to go with Corey Anderson versus Patrick Cummins. I'm excited to see that fight. I'm excited to see uh, they both like to strike. Um, they both like to stand up and 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 fight. Um, um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Quip, which fight are you excited to see that's not a title fight? So everybody knows that as far as you've been listening to the show and then from the beginning if you read the blogs or anything, I'm a huge Mickey Gall fan. So to watch Mickey Gall get back in the octagon to fight Randy Brown, this is a huge test for Mickey because he's been calling out for uh, more and more fights. He's looking for bigger name fighters. Uh, we know Mickey Gall is currently uh, 4-0 in the octagon with uh, some, uh, some huge submission wins. But now he's getting to have to step up in this competition. He's fighting a guy who's had 11 fights in the octagon. But, uh, you know, recently, Randy Brown did lose to Muhammad over uh, February 11, 2017 at UFC 208. He lost by decision. Uh, we're going to see what uh, Mickey can bring to the table. If Mickey wins this fight, we're talking about him uh, possibly moving up and probably getting a bigger name fighter the next time he comes around and calls somebody out. So it'll be definitely interesting to see. I think, um, you know, he called for CM Punk. He got CM Punk. He tapped CM Punk out. He called for Sage Northcutt. He tapped out Sage Northcutt. He's called for a bigger name fighter. They gave him Randy Brown. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what he does and how he does his thing. So I'm interested to watch that fight. Obviously, you know, aside from a fan, I, I consider him, you know, more of an acquaintance. But it's an acquaintance that frequently we talk all the time. So it's definitely going to be exciting for me to watch uh, that fight just because I have a vested interest in it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, by the way, that's the first time I said, yeah, definitely on this podcast this morning. Um, we hopefully are actually going to uh, try to let him get do his thing through November and get that fight going on. And then hopefully since he's in that area where you are at Cliff, we can definitely try to get him on this podcast. I've been, we've been pushing to try to get, MMA fighters on this podcast, people that we support, and I know you're a huge su- supporter of this guy, so I'm definitely interested to see if we can get him on this podcast because I want to roast him up on some questions, let him sh- let him get his brand out, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Yeah, so me too. You know, we've definitely been talking back and forth, talking talk and see if we can make, make this thing work out. It could, it could not. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Oh. Uh, one other thing that we forgot to kind of talk about, we're going to have to go back to UFC 216, and we were definitely uh, supposed to be picking out a fight that we were excited about, that we saw, or that happened. Uh, did you have a fight in mind that you really liked? You know, um, with, the timing of, with the timing of this card, and if you listen to our other, uh, our other uh, podcast that we, listen to, that we do, at Your Sports Therapy, we do, we do stress that we are huge Husker fans, so... The Husker game was kind of going on when this fight card was going on, and so I was at a at a tailgate party uh, with some with some friends, kind of pushing out our podcast and stuff. So I really didn't think you can see anything besides the last three fights, which uh, which were for the best, anyways. So I, that was the that was really if, if I had to pick one, I would definitely say that uh, that Tony Ferguson Kevin Lee fight was definitely hands down my favorite fight. No, and that's definitely a great pick, man. So, you know, you can't go wrong that way. I would have to venture and say, because I watched, uh, as as well as me being a Huskers fan, too, I watched other fights, right? So I watched uh, Brad, Tavares, uh, Brad Tavares versus uh, Le- uh, Letty's, Letty's fight. Um, 
And that was great just because I'm a huge Hawaiian fan. I do support the Hawaiian fighters out. Uh, Brad Tavares came in, did his thing. Uh, you know, 80, 80 total strikes uh, landed uh, at 70 significant, no takedowns. But he did shut down uh, seven takedown attempts by Lettys, which was huge. Uh, he did get the decision win. It was the very first fight of the night. So I was definitely excited to see the Hawaiian fighter from Kailua uh, come through and get his win. The other fight that I wanted to kind of touch on was the controversial fight versus Veneta versus Bobby Green. Not that there was much controversy into it because the fight was pretty significant, but what ultimately cost Veneta this fight, it should have been a decision fight for Veneta, uh, but he got deducted a point because of a low blow, or no, a legal knee to Green uh, in the first round. And because of that, the fight ended up becoming a draw instead of a uh, um, you know, uh, a major decision. Uh, and Veneta knew it too. As soon as he threw the threw the punt or threw the knee, uh, it landed. The rest of the fight, Veneta knew instantly what happened. He uh, was kind of upset with himself. But the crazy part was Green could have ended the fight that night. He said he was definitely rocked. He definitely couldn't tell, but like what was going on. But he didn't want to go out that way. He wanted to fight, so he said no. He was good, so they got back in. They started going back and forth, and Green and Veneta went to went blow to blow. Uh, to give you an idea, total strikes was 111 to 104. Uh, Veneta did score the one knockdown uh, and a one submission attempt, plus he had four takedowns to the one takedown that Green had. So Veneta definitely could have won this fight, but because the fight ended up with the, the one-point deduction, it did come out to a draw. And uh, it's tough, man, because I definitely was feeling like Veneta should have won this fight, but Green was excited for the draw, and they want to go and bang again here in the future. So we'll definitely have to see how that fight card comes down. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I yeah, I, I didn't get to watch too much of these fights, but what, what I did get to watch and the highlights that I did get to watch, it seemed like it was a pretty decent card. And that would be like we said, um, that that C plus average. So with that being said, man, we're gonna wrap this up. But Anthony, I know you want to do your Lincoln Love. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's get that started. All right, yeah, definitely. Thank you. I I do uh, love Lincoln. Lincoln is home, home of the Huskers. I got to show my, my love for the Huskers, even though we just got trashed in that fourth quarter. I, I, I always show love for the Huskers. Um, I'm actually wearing my Husker shirt right now. Other than that, we do have uh, my favorite Lincoln band right now, and that's Trexler. They're getting ready to play October 27th at Gray's Keg at 930. So definitely come out and check them out. They are a great rock and roll band. Um, Jay's a great singer. Arthur's a great uh, guitarist. So you definitely come out to see them. Uh, my buddy Phil, he uh, is, uh, I'm going to call it the lead guitarist to uh, Faded Black. They're a good, uh, more of a metal band. Um, I, I promised my barber I would throw her name out here. So Carly, uh, the barber, she's located here in Lincoln on 70th and Pioneers. That's that, uh, She's, she's at Von Heron. If you need a fresh fade, if you want to look good, definitely go to her. Um, her boyfriend, who has kind of hooked me up with his manager's uh, or his agent's uh, email address and phone number, uh, Corey Savage, he does uh, he does uh, his own apparel line called Savage uh, uh, Savage Men Apparel. And you see the you see a lot of his stuff out of, out in Bellator and here in local Lincoln, and some sometimes he gets out and goes to other things. So definitely keep your eye out on that apparel. Um, and last but not least, 
something that is really near and dear to my heart and Chris' heart is we just launched something big, and it is a an athletic wear a, a line called Serotonic. So I got to show my love out there, Cliff. Show your love for this. So it's funny because you bring that up because actually right now I'm actually wearing my Serotonic T-shirt. So you know, break the pattern is what we were gonna say. Uh, it's definitely huge to us. We definitely uh, this is a brand that we've been building slowly with a couple of our other friends out here in Baltimore. Uh, Anthony runs the department out in uh, Lincoln. He's definitely a huge aspect to this huge puzzle piece that we, I don't think we could have done this without him, especially with the network that he's been able to build up over there. We're working on our side over here, trying to make make things happen, work things out. So it's definitely, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, Serotonics, it's all about breaking the pattern, and that's what we want to go for. And uh, you guys can see the logos. We're going to post them up on uh, Serotonics. Uh, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, Facebook, it's going to be everywhere. We're going to start promoting it. So if you guys get behind our label, help us uh, reach out to a bigger crowd. We're definitely going to be uh, with you guys. With that being said, uh, we're going to move this over to uh, something more serious for us. You know, we definitely bring it up. We're going to end this way, end the show the way we always do. Is uh, You know, we just want to show our support to military veterans as well as the people over in Vegas, as well as the people going through anything. Uh, you know, suicide awareness is definitely something we bring up. We definitely talk about it with military, especially going from 20 to 1. Now that it's dropped from 22 to 1, it's down to 20 to 1. And, you know, Anthony and I talk about the support that we always show for the guys, for the troops, whether you're home front or overseas. Uh, you know, I support Mission 22, Team 22, as well as I Got Your Six. Uh, Anthony, he's got his, who he'll talk about as well. Uh, we definitely want to show a lot of love to all of our our military vets. We support you guys. You guys can reach out to me uh, at Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. doesn't really matter. I answer to everything. Uh, but if you want to find me on Snapchat, Twitter, or even find me on Instagram, it's at CM underscore Miller 85. That's where I'll be. And you guys can uh, find me there, talk to me, and just, just tell me what's going on. We can talk about what's, ha- what's happening. Yeah, definitely. Um, like Cliff said, uh, we are a huge military supporters. Both of us are veterans, so we understand a lot of the problems that we go through, um, trying to transition into life. That the, the things that we that 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 we dream of, the things that we see in our lives. Um, so that doesn't just take away from any any of our friends, any of our listeners out there that uh that are going through something. If you guys need us. Call us, text us, Snapchat us, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, uh, Facebook, message us. We do answer. It might not be immediately, but guaranteed within within hours we will be there for you to uh, listen to you if you're going through some things. Um, my veteran organizations that I support, uh, I got your six, Mission 22, just like Cliff. Um, the other ones that I, that I do is I uh, Hopes for Warriors. I am a big donor to the USO, um, Wounded Warrior Project, Puppets Behind Bars, and Soldiers Angels. You can catch me on uh, Instagram at AnthonyLuhan1985. And Twitter and Snapchat, you can find me at ALuhan1985. You follow me, I'll follow you, I'll promote you. Yeah, so, you know, one thing I definitely noticed is that there's been a huge uh, outreach for us. It's definitely a lot of fun. I want to thank you guys for um, just helping us build this brand so to to you guys the listeners it's huge especially for people who come through and read on the blog so you guys can actually find us on the blog as well um get the ko.blogspot.com 
we're always up there, we're always promoting, we're always talking. You guys can actually find um, our other one too, so we didn't mention it, uh, Your Sports Therapy, which we record every week. We took a hiatus from this last week. We had some things that were kind of going on, so we needed to make sure that we focused on that. But now we're going to be coming back. Uh, new episode coming out this week. And then uh, thank you to the supporters out there. Right now, um, as the UFC 216 review has come out, uh, Get the KO has 76 views, so 76 different readers have been uh, checking out. Huge thank you guys to you guys, and uh, thank you. I can't say it enough. Just thank you so much. Yep, definitely, and what a great podcast to have and what a great time that we do have to live for. Um, we really do appreciate our supporters, our listeners, you guys, the people that are always uh, always promoting our stuff because, A, we promote them, they promote us, but the people that just love listening to us talk about UFC and, and other sports, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. And with that being said, Anthony, why don't you send us off, man? Peace.